I'll invite you now to take a Bible to open it to Colossians chapter 4. We have spent the month in the book of Colossians going through it one chapter at a time, and we are finishing with chapter 4. It's a very short letter, but a powerful one. And for a Sunday where we are, as a church family, seeking to raise funds to support gospel ministry throughout the world, Uh, had we not been in Colossians, there's not many other passages more fitting than Colossians chapter 4 to sort of guide us in how we should be thinking about our work today. So beginning in verse 2 of chapter 4 in Colossians, this is page 985 if you're using one of the Bibles provided for you. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He's a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, they will tell you of everything that has taken place here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you, and Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you've received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice, these are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, so that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and let those in Laodicea and Herapolis. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you, as does Demas. Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans. And see that you also read the letter from Laodicea and say to Archippus, See that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Uh, If you're unfamiliar with the Bible, one of the things that might stand out to you is the very personal nature of what we just read, because in fact it is. It's a letter uh, from Paul to a group of people. We do consider this scripture, and we read it and desire to learn from it because we believe that God speaks to us through it. But what God is speaking to us through is the communication of a very ordinary person to otherwise very ordinary people. And so most of these names at the end reflect relationships, um, some of them that might be hard to pronounce uh, in a first reading, but if they were to read our names, they would probably have a hard time pronouncing most of our names today. So it goes both ways. Um, But this is a letter that Paul is writing to a group of churches, and he's kind of indicated throughout that he is writing this letter to them from prison. He's under a form of house arrest in Rome, and he is sending someone to them to be an encouragement to them. He has a message for them that he wants to share. What he had just been encouraging them 
uh, right before this section began was how they were to do all of their work. If you look back in verse 23 of chapter 3, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that the from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. And so in that, working heartily, giving your all in whatever your roles and responsibilities are as husbands and wives, as parents and children, as employees and business owners, he had said in all of those areas, work as if you're working for the Lord Jesus Christ. And so then in verse two, as we open, when he says, continue in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving, he's inviting the entire church to do all of that work always in a posture, in an attitude of prayer. So that in every area of their lives, they're to be honoring the Lord with how they conduct themselves. But he also wants to uh, add this note that we should never assume that our work on its own is sufficient. All of our work needs to be covered in prayer, that we would dedicate it and consecrate it to the Lord, that we would thank him for it, being watchful in it, And so our responsibility in this day and age is to do the same, to continue in prayer. And he adds this note of thanksgiving because you could imagine as Paul is writing this from prison, he's almost saying, make sure you're thankful that you get to do all the things that I don't get to do right now. Don't feel bad that you're not in prison like I am. I'm not a better Christian than you are because I'm suffering more or not. But since you're not in prison... (laughs) and you actually can go to work tomorrow, and you actually can enjoy your family, do that. Enjoy it. Be thankful for it. Don't feel guilty about it, but don't take it for granted. And how often do all of us, it's so normal that we take good health for granted until it's gone. We take family for granted until they're gone. We take jobs for granted until they're gone. And so Paul is saying, you know, his vantage point of being in prison and being bound, he's, he's just writing this church and saying, whatever freedoms that you are blessed to enjoy, enjoy them. Enjoy them with prayer and enjoy them with thanksgiving. Don't feel uh, guilty or survivor's sort of remorse about anything that God has given you. But absolutely make sure you don't take it for granted and that you're thankful for it. And one of the ways to express our thankfulness is to continue in prayer to say before a meal, not just um, to make it and to rush to eat it, but to acknowledge that all good things come from God's hand. Uh, These flowers that I just happened to be looking at, they required me and David Francis to carry into the sanctuary today because it's so large and beautiful. Another person can come and walk out into their garden and in their farm and see all of these things and just take it for granted and assume, yeah, that just happens instead of No, take the very same thing and say, wow, God, you are creative. Uh, The world that you have made is good. Look at how abundant and beautiful it is. And and take the very same thing and allow it to be a means of worship and not something that we take for granted. But Paul also invites that as they continue in prayer about their own lives in verse 3, he says, at the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. So as you're enjoying the bounty of your lives and all the freedom of what you get to do, pray for us 
And it's amazing what Paul asks for. Pray that doors would still continue to open up, that we could still share the good news of the gospel. He didn't say just pray that I figure out how to endure this or pray that the guard who could just beat me at any moment is nicer to me. He doesn't ask for almost anything related to his own health and well-being. He says, pray that I have the opportunity to speak and when I do, that I make it as clear as I can make it. I don't want to take, if I only get 30 seconds with someone and fumble on those 30 seconds, if I get an hour with someone... I want to make the mystery as clear as possible. Because that's one of the ways the gospel is referred to throughout the New Testament. It's talked about as being a mystery, but not a mystery that is this puzzle we can't figure out, but something that was a puzzle that now we sort of have an answer to. We have the key that opens the door. The mystery has now been revealed. Paul is using that language to describe his own past in his Jewish faith, but also as he's in all these different cities, meeting all these people of different backgrounds, seeing their different religious worship and their different gods and deities, he's saying all of us were searching for something, reaching out with what we didn't even realize was most fully expressed and clearly known in Christ Jesus. That he is the fulfillment of all of our desires, the longings of all of our hope, the answer to all of our deepest concerns. And we know that, so pray that I say that. Pray that when I'm given the chance to express it, that I make it as clear as possible. So Paul's saying, don't pray that I I come across well. Don't pray that I sound smart or educated. No, no, no. I want to be the person that makes it so clear anyone can understand it. And so would you, the church here in Colossae, would you pray for me that that would be something that I could do. So while you're expressing thanks for all that you get to do, pray for me so that I can make it clear. This is also a prayer that each and every one of us should have. That in whatever opportunities God gives us to share our faith, that we would be able to do it humbly but clearly. Anymore, it feels arrogant the more clear you are. And sometimes you'll be accused of being arrogant or proud in your response if you can present an answer with simplicity and clarity. For those who want to say, I just don't want to think about it and what you believe is what you believe and what I believe is what I believe. So we're in a cultural context that is a bit different, but the need is the same. If not, it's even greater. When most people are fine with sort of a privatized religion and faith to say, I mean, whatever works for you works for you, but just don't ever impose that on me or anyone else. It's going to take prayer for people to continue to speak clearly. No, actually, that's not what I believe. I don't believe whatever works for you works for you and whatever works for me works. I, re- I think whatever you do and whatever I do, we try our best. We can't ever do it. <laughs> we need someone else to do it for us. We're hopeless if it's based on us. All of us needed a savior. And a savior has come and his name is Jesus. And he extends to everyone the opportunity for life in him. We need clarity when the opportunity comes. And if it's going to be clear, it will be in as much as we have prayed. Continued in prayer that God would enable us to do that. And so we therefore need wisdom. Verse five, Walk in wisdom with outsiders, 
making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Paul can anticipate. Um, we don't want to just be technically right by saying a truthful statement, but not coming across in a loving way to people. We want them to feel that we love them, and therefore that is why we're saying what we're saying. And all of us could probably allow our speech to be a little bit more gracious and seasoned with salt. And we need wisdom to do that. None of us has that wisdom on our own. The wisdom that you need when a coworker that you will see every single day opens up and shares with you, and you want to speak truth into his or her life, but you know, one, they may not accept what you believe or what you say, and then you know whether they do that, you're showing back up to work tomorrow with them. You need wisdom for how to do that, and then you need wisdom for how to interact with your neighbor, who, whether you agree or disagree, you're stuck with each other for a period of time, and you want to handle that well. How much wisdom do you need to talk to a family member about the Lord? A ton. It seems to be the hardest to talk to people that you're related to, right? We all need wisdom, and we need different levels of wisdom depending on the situation. But therefore, if we're continuing in prayer and we're walking in wisdom, hopefully we're trying to conduct ourselves in a way that honors the Lord. And then I've summarized this part of all these names and these greetings as simply receiving our love. So we want to continue in prayer. We want to walk in wisdom. And we want to, Paul is saying to them, receive our love. That Paul can't come to them. And so he's sending a couple of people um, to them. Tychicus and Onesimus. We find out from a le- another letter to Philemon a little bit more of Onesimus' backstory. But he was a runaway slave who we don't know exactly how, but somehow encountered Paul, and Paul realized that this person is now taking the gospel seriously. He's accepted it, and he's run away from a situation, and Paul's going to tell him he needs to go back to it. And so Paul sends another letter, which is part of what's referred to here at the end. Hey, make sure they also read the other one I'm sending that's specifically about him and how he is to be received and not punished for running away, but embraced back and forgiven by the very person that he's run away from. And Paul is calling on him to do that out of love. And he's mentioning all of these names of people who are extending that love and then the encouragement that they're meant to bring. And if you do a deep dive on just some of these names, it is amazing the stories. But the only one that I want to highlight for our purpose now is that of Mark. Because there was a previous time in Paul's ministry in the book of Acts when Paul got into a dispute with Barnabas about whether or not Mark should come along the journeys with them. Because in time of pressure and persecution, Paul wasn't sure he could be relied upon. And the way the story unfolds in the book of Acts, we don't walk away with any sense of who's right or wrong. It's just this, wow, here's two really good and godly people, and they have a very different perspective on, on what should be done here. But now we have this note years later where we can tell that there is no ongoing hostility between them. That the difference that they had in who and how and where and why the ministry should be done and be included does not then prevent Paul from here speaking well of Mark and inviting other people to welcome him as well. 
and in the body of Christ as brothers and sisters, we're supposed to have the kind of the, the depth of relationship that over a period of time, it can maintain intact and if anything, grow through the various seasons of life. If you're only friends with people in as much as you agree on everything, you have very, very short friendships. <laughs> if you want lifelong friendships, then by definition, to be able to maintain those, that friendship has to endure being mad at each other for a period of time. Or not being mad, but just seeing things completely differently. But if you're committed to maintaining friendship in a relationship for as long as possible, then you find in surprising ways your love grows deeper. When you know someone at their worst and they know you at your worst and neither one of you have walked away from each other and you still care about one another and you still care about the Lord and you can still encourage each other with whatever's going on. Paul is modeling that in all of these names that he's writing out for them. And the challenge for us is to receive that same love. <clears throat> As we pray for certain things to happen, we will then walk according to our prayers and we will love according to those prayers so that we will be in some way the answers to the prayers that we are offering. And then at the very end, he gives this note, verse 18. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Those last two sentences are, they just should shock us in, in the fact that they're written consecutively. They're so different, right? Remember my chains. Grace be with you. He's coming back to where he started and inviting prayers for him as he's encouraged them to walk in wisdom, as he's invited them to love one another. He brings them back to remembering the suffering that he is enduring, not out of pity, but again, to invite them right back into this wonderful opportunity that they have. That they can walk in wisdom in ways that he can't right now. They can actually show and express their love to one another in ways that he can't right now. And so they need to remember that. Some of them might end up in chains one day. They don't know. So it's, it's this way of saying again, just don't take anything for granted. What we will do this afternoon and just fun activities outside in 90-some degree weather. Um, but thankfully, the majority of our backyard gets shaded pretty early, so don't let that deter you too much. And then eating a meal together and just having fun is to enjoy the freedom we get to experience, to be thankful for that, that we can eat food and spend time with friends and family, but to do it remembering those who are in chains that the very three people that funds will go towards in East Asia and in Serbia and Ukraine are coming alongside people who don't experience the legal freedom that most of us enjoy to believe what we believe and to share it with anyone we would encounter. One of the videos that we'll show tonight of the school in Serbia, at, at one point in the video, it zooms in on one of the students preaching at a church and it's a church that I was blessed to preach in a little over two years ago in the hometown that my mother was born in. It's called Kikinda. And it's right on the border of sort of Serbia, Hungary, and Romania. And when I had the opportunity to speak there a few years ago, the person that spoke the most English in the church was a 12-year-old girl. And so she came up to me, and so after it was done, um, I had the most conversation with her because I could. But it was humbling also 
because she was exactly the age my mom was when they left that town. And they fled communism. My grandfather, to leave, couldn't sell his house to leave, couldn't make it visible in any way that they were starting to make plans to go. Otherwise, they would not have been allowed to leave the country. And so, with no ability to sort of prepare in that sense, but to just go on vacation and then know that it was a vacation they were never coming back from and trust that the Lord would provide from them from that point on is how I'm here, 2018, able to open a Bible and to hopefully speak with some clarity about the truthfulness of it. And I'm so thankful that just in a few weeks I get to take my own boys there to show them this town and say, don't ever forget where we came from. Not in a way to make them feel guilty or even for me to feel that, but man, we should be thankful for what we have. And any time we are experiencing an abundance of that, we should be the most generous of all people. With whatever God has given us, generous in our speech, generous in our words, generous in our prayers, generous in our lifestyle, generous in our finances. Enjoying things all along the way. But remembering those who do not have that. And it's part of God's good gift to us <laughs> because it, it always brings us most joy when the work that we do on an everyday basis and then for special occasions, we believe and see that that work is really helping other people. It's one of the ways that God has made us. He doesn't invite us into generosity because it's going to depress us or discourage us or and he doesn't guilt us into it for that reason because he knows that there is an opportunity that is only experienced on the other side that we find out the things that really matter, the relationships that we have, the love that we're able to enjoy and the opportunities to worship him. And so Paul's words 2,000 years ago to a church in Colossae written from prison, they still apply to us. May we here continue in prayer, walk in wisdom, receive one another's love, and may we remember those still in chains. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for all of the blessings you have given us all of the grace that you have poured out upon us. We realize that much of what we enjoy is not experienced in equal measure throughout this world. That there are various challenges that people face, and we don't even want to presume that everyone here is uh, healthy and wise. And um, we, There are so many challenges in a congregation like this of of concern and heartbreak, of disease and sickness, of um, financial struggle. And so we, we come to you for all of those needs, but we also, for, we wanna come to you in the, the days that are good and when the sun is shining, and we wanna thank you for when uh, we are experiencing the abundance of provision. God, we wanna be found faithful children of you on the good days and the bad days. And so we, we pray that you would help us to continue always in a posture of prayer, that you'd give us wisdom as we walk out our faith in the public arena, in our neighborhoods and in our schools. And we pray that you would help us to be a community of love where names matter and stories matter, 
uh, and where we come alongside to help in whatever ways we can. We thank you for the amazing encouragement that we can receive through your word of a letter so long ago, but able to speak to us more, uh, more lively than this morning's newspaper. What a gift. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.